1: a Fantasy question? Email fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy reality. Now here's Frank Scott and Chris.
0: Lucas Gilito appears to be broken, but can he be fixed? Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. On Thursday, June 23rd, Frank Sample joined by Chris Towers. Today on the show, we'll talk about those struggles from Lucas Gilito. Austin Hayes appreciation night slash morning when you're listening to this, more waiver Wire moves, and rankings, risers, and fallers. But let's jump right in.
1: Oh my goodness gracious!
0: All right, Chris. You will get the Olive Garden breadstick of the night.
1: Although... Um, unfortunately, uh, this breadstick is... Yeah, it fell on the floor, and it's it's covered in hair, and... Not great. It's not good. It's not what you want. Lucas Giolito, um when he went on the covid il on after his may 10th start he had a 2.70 era let's see what it's up to now it's a lot higher than that is it double is it twice what it was um he had another bad start today against toronto um,
0: actually, to pull up the, i believe it's exactly double it's 5.40 there
1: you go double his double his era from when he went on the covid list and look i wonder if that's part of it i mean he was only out for seven days, I think, the minimum. But yeah, he ended up um he hasn't been good since then. And uh yeah, you had the numbers, last five starts, nine sixty four ERA, eleven walks, nine home runs allowed. And he's just he's been really bad for a little over a month now. Um fourteen hard hit balls today, only three strikeouts. Brutal. My guess is that he's fine. Or know he's definitely
0: fine
1: he's not fine currently right now no but will be fine moving forward and will continue to you know be the guy that's been a very good starting pitcher at the major league level for the last four seasons um you know his velocity is eh, it's not great it's not like three miles per hour down he's down Today was down to 92.3, which is about a mile and a half hour per hour down uh, from what it was last season. So if that was the case moving forward, that would be a concern. But I I have to think that he's been so good the last couple of years that he's going to figure it out. That being said, you know, I, I've pretty much kept him in the top 12 ish at starting pitcher. And then I think that's clearly no longer tenable. I would rather have Shane Bieber than him. I you know, just going through the guys who I have ranked uh, right behind him. Currently, Shane Bieber, Max Freed, Dylan Cease, Pablo Lopez, Brandon Woodruff. I think it gets interesting with Lopez and Woodruff. You know, Woodruff, obviously a big concern with the, the, the injury and just what that's going to mean moving forward. Lopez, he was good today, but not getting a ton of swinging strikes. Hasn't been quite as effective of late. I think I'm going to move him below those guys, though. I think I'm going to move him down to 21. So that's right ahead of Luis Severino, right behind Logan Webb. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I'm looking at my rankings right now and uh, full transparency. I updated all my hitter rankings on Wednesday and I'm going to do pitchers on Thursday. And I think right around Robbie Ray. So I moved Robbie Ray down recently and he's been better. He's incorporated the sinker and he's looked much better. And he's SP23. I'm thinking just behind that. So that would put yeah. Gilito behind Robbie Ray, Woodruff, Shohei Otani, who had an amazing start again. Yeah, he's uh, incredible. Julio Arias, who's looked much better recently. And then it's just ahead of that glob. That's where the starts. Yeah. For me, I'm much higher on Framber Valdez in points leagues just because he goes very deep into his starts. He's yeah. been solid for a while now. Kyle Frambois Wright. was in that range for me. Kyle Wright, Logan Gilbert, Clayton Kershaw. You know that To me, that's the start of the glob of starting pitchers. And mm-hmm. I'm going to put Giolito at the front of that for now. And just knowing he has the ability to move up, move back up the rankings, if he can get back on track. What is going wrong so far this season? You mentioned some of the things, velocity being down. He's getting crushed with home runs. His barrel percentage against is in the sixth percentile. So he's just absolutely getting crushed. I tried to find a quote, find something after the game. This was from the Chicago Sun-Times. Gilito has tinkered with mechanical adjustments during the stretch and said progress has been made, but there is no sign of it in the results. Location and stuff have both been subpar. And here's what he had to say. It's a combination. Leaving too many pitches middle, just got to figure it out. That's it. Antonio Tony right. said after that, that Gilito's healthy. So I- I'm going to take his word for it. Would you buy low? That's the next question.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, there is some real like conflicting indicators right now. His changeup usage is lower than it was last season. It's down to twenty two point five percent. That's supposed to be percent last year. That's supposed to be his best pitch too. Well, and that's the thing is that last season it was. He had a two forty five expected woba with it, thirty five percent whiff rate. I mean, the slider was right there with it, but the changeup was his go to put away pitch. And this season, it just hasn't been as effective. He's still getting. A lot of whiffs with it, thirty nine percent, but he has a three sixty two expected woba with it. That that was two forty five last year. Um, it's not getting hit hard though. He has an eighty mile per hour average exit velocity on the changeup, so that's weird. It's one of those cases where there are some seeming issues with not throwing as hard, in particular the changeup not being as effective, but. I have faith that they'll be able to figure something out. The White Sox have numerous times with Giolito, you know, been able to either one, you know, figure out what got him to be so good a couple of years ago. And then, you know, there have been some, some moments where he's struggled over the past couple of seasons. Spin rate on the fastball is way down for the season, about 200 RPMs. So that is, You know, one potential explanation for why he's been less effective overall, although the fastball hasn't been much less effective than it was last season. So I don't know if that's the answer, but, you know, it could be a situation where the fastball is not playing up and it makes the changeup less effective.
0: People were asking me on Twitter, what would I give up to get Lucas Giolito? And obviously I'd be looking to buy low. How are you doing, Chris? Good. Uh, Am I better? Yes. Okay. so I'm just going to continue on here. The name I was looking at was Zach Allen. Would I sell high on a Zach Allen to get Lucas Chialito? And I think that's right on the cusp. You know, Zach Allen, Logan Gilbert. And I don't think that that is... I think that's probably too much. I, I want to give up even less to try and buy low on Lucas Chialito right now. And Chris, how are we doing?
1: I, I think it's better. I think, it was, I think it was a stream yard issue. Potentially. Hopefully.
0: Let's hope so. Let's hope we're good moving forward. I brought up two names while you were gone. Logan Gilbert and... The other one was that Gallon. Would you give up either of those to get Lucas Gilito right now?
1: I would rather have Gilito than either of those. But like you were saying, I, I do think like if you're going to buy low, you probably want to buy lower. Yeah, Gallon, I think is fine though. You know, in, in particular, because of the issues that we talked about yesterday, the concerns about durability and the health of that elbow moving forward. You know, I, I think that would be okay.
0: All right. Well, that is Giolito. Next week, he's in line for two starts, it looks like, at the Angels, at the Giants. I Tough mean, based, match-ups. Um, based on this recent stretch, I think you have to bench him everywhere, Chris.
1: I could see maybe in a points league, you know, where your ratios aren't going to get tanked, but he hasn't been providing much positive value in a points league either lately. So, yeah, I I don't, I think you probably have to sit him moving forward until he figures it out. I am... Fairly confident he will, though.
0: All right, let's move over to my oh my goodness gracious player. Uh, this is a better Olive Garden breadstick. This is kind of the, another free square for the night. Austin Hayes hit for the cycle in a six inning game.
1: All right, looks like Frank's having some uh, technical issues. It's not my fault this time. But like he was saying, Austin Hayes hit for the cycle in a six inning game. Kind of even more impressively, I think he had four strikeouts in yesterday's game. Probably, if not the first time a player's hit for the cycle in a six-inning game. Probably the first time a player's hit for the cycle in a six-inning game after striking out four times the previous game. I haven't checked that one, but I feel pretty confident in it. And Austin Hayes is someone who probably has not gotten the respect that he deserves so far. And it's, it's actually unquestionable that he hasn't gotten the respect he deserves so far because... He hasn't really been a highly ranked player uh, for either Scott, Frank, or myself. He was outside of my top 60 uh, heading into this game. I've moved him up. But he's hitting 287 with 10 home runs, 37, RB- 37 runs, 40 RBI. He's the number 24 outfielder in head-to-head points leagues, number 28 in Roto. And, you know, obviously coming off of a day where he ha- hit for the cycle, Those numbers are going to improve even more. It's worth looking into what he's doing differently and whether it's sustainable. And, you know, the expected WOBA, 340. The actual WOBA entering today, 344. So those line up pretty well. You know, he's probably had a little bit of luck in terms of his batting average is 287 when the XBA is 270, but he's cut his strikeout rate. And he's hitting more line drives. Line drive rate up from twenty two point six percent to twenty four point six. And he's done that, you know, without necessarily sacrificing uh, any quality of contact. Barrel rate down a little bit, but not concerning his qual- His exit velocity, heart hit rate, both up. <sighs> the problem is, one, I just I don't think Austin Hayes. Like you look at his skill set and I'm not sure he stands out anywhere. Like he's got a slightly better than average strikeout rate. He hits the ball slightly mm-hmm. harder than average and it could be a situation where the sum is the the sum is greater than the parts individually. Um, but that's also the kind of player who you'll often see is not as good as the, you know, underlying numbers suggest. So I I don't know, between somewhat middling quality of contact metrics and the, the poor park and poor lineup that he plays in. My sense is that Austin Hayes is certainly not going to be a top 30 outfielder moving forward. And, you know, when I moved him up in my rankings, it wasn't into the top 30. He's kind of in that outfield blob and I'm going to put him in like the 50 range. So, You know, behind Andrew Vaughn and Ian Happ and uh, Jesse Winker, but probably ahead of like someone like Randall Grichik at this point. Who, you know, I do think there are like (laughs) Frank's frozen. He's looking very pensive, uh, off to the side. Um, But like, I would rather have Orioles teammate Ryan Mountcastle over Austin Hayes. You know, Ryan Mountcastle, both of them hitting much better than any of us expected to this season, but. Mountcastle, the underlying stats are a little more impressive. They're actually a lot more impressive right Mountcastle. If you take the underlying stats at face value, looks like one of the best hitters in baseball. I don't think he's that. Um, he kind of looks like Nick Castellanos, like the good version of Nick Castellanos. Um, so, yeah, I, I would rather have Mountcastle than Hayes, but Hayes clearly deserves more credit than we've given him so far. And so, yeah, I'm going to move him into the top 50 an outfielder. Um, some of the names ahead of uh, that I'm putting him ahead of, you know, and I don't think these guys are too surprising. But like Hunter Renfro, Connor Joe, Miles Straw, guys who I think they're, they can be okay fantasy options, but I think with the way Austin Hayes is hitting the ball right now, yeah, you'd rather have him than those guys. So, uh, pretty good day for Austin Hayes, hitting for the cycle in a six inning game. Frank keeps popping in, popping back out, and, uh, <clears throat> let's see here's frank am i here am i working you're here i don't know you what look a little fuzzy oh no, right. it just cleared up i think you're good
0: i hope we're good i, I did a speed test I, I think everything everything looks good on my end. i don't know what is going on this is it just used to happen when we're together chris i don't know why but uh hopefully it was
1: it was a scary couple of minutes having to be on my own i was starting to run out of gas i was starting to feel it i'm like my heart's racing my, my pulse you know so I'm glad right. you are back
0: all right good all right I assume you talked all about Austin Hayes um and overall I think he's fine I I guess you can consider him a sell high I don't know that you're gonna get anything for Austin yeah. Hayes. it just seems like he's been very solid across the board and that's been good enough just because the rest of the outfielders in baseball haven't been great so I think if you have Austin Hayes just ride it out and uh let's see where he goes from here oh my goodness gracious Game, I guess. Offensively, their pitcher was great. We'll just talk about the Cubs. And they put up 14 runs on 13 hits against the Pirates. They hit three home runs. Patrick Wisdom hit his 14th homer. Ian Happ went one for two with his eighth homer. And for those in deeper leagues, Rafael Ortega went three for five with two RBI. He's betting 333 in June. Doesn't play all that consistently. It'd have to be a really deep league for him. And Alfonso Rivas is the other one who went two for four. believe he hit a grand slam off of a position player. Diego Castillo. So, well, actually there is a Diego Castillo pitcher out there. And I guess now there's two Diego Castillo pitchers, Um, (laughs) but Chris, is there anything with these in deeper leagues, Ortega or Rivas?
1: I don't think so. Um, You know, Ortega, he's leading off, you know, for the Cubs. So there's always going to be the potential for decent counting stats, but no, I think both of these guys and especially Rivas is, is just a guy Ortega, you know, he was decent last season. There's a little bit of speed there, so it's not out of the question that he could be useful in a five-outfielder league, especially, you know, like your your 15-team outfielder leagues. But the quality of contact is pretty bad. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. He's kind of like John Birdie without the speed, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, not exactly... Yeah, not great. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think he's pretty middling. All
0: right, well, let's talk about their starting pitcher in Keegan Thompson, who. Well, I,
1: now- I I will say like Ian Happ is someone who he's, he's having, like he's having a great year, been around the fortieth outfielder for me consistently, but that's probably underselling him at this point. I mean, the quality of contact metrics are very good across the board. His expected woba. Matches his WOBA exactly, actually one of the rare players. 370 expected WOBA, 370 actual WOBA. He's cut his strikeout rate tremendously down to 19.5%, by far the lowest of his career. His previous career low was 25%. He's walking a ton. He's even running a little bit, uh, five stolen bases. I don't know. Ian Happ is someone that I've he's put together really good second halves like three seasons in a row. There have been these stretches from Ian Happ where he's looked really, really good, and maybe he's just figured it out in a way that can make him a a must-start fantasy outfielder, even three outfielder leagues.
0: Yeah, I have him right on that cusp. He's my thirty-fourth ranked outfielder, yeah, right around Ryan Mountcastle and, and Tommy Pham, who you know just quietly doing his thing. Uh, so it's been a very good season for Ian Happ. Let's talk about their starting pitcher, Keegan Thompson. Back-to-back quality starts after that two-start week of doom. I know Scott's mentioned it recently. I think Keegan Thompson gave up like 10 runs over his two starts, but he's been better since then. He gave up one run over six innings pitched with seven strikeouts against the Pirates, drops his ERA to 3.10, gets a good amount of ground balls, doesn't strike out many, probably walks too many. 37% rostered and looks like he's in line for two starts next week against the Reds and the Red Sox. What do you think about Keegan Thompson?
1: Yeah, I don't quite understand. Um, you know, th- there's not any one pitch that really stands out for him except over the past couple of starts. You know, he's gotten decent whiff numbers with his fastball. I think it was like nine whiffs with the fastball on his previous start, only four today, only eight total. Um, I I think he's, King and Thompson's probably just a guy. You know, maybe, maybe a high three ZRA, but I don't, I don't know if he does enough well to, uh, to be fantasy relevant in most mixed leagues. All right. Well, that'll transition us
0: into other waiver wire pitchers that emerged on Wednesday. I mean, Michael Waka is just doing his best Martin Perez impression right now. He delivers another quality start, 6 innings, 2 runs, 7 strikeouts. He I wrote zero swinging strikes. That's definitely not true. That's probably supposed to be 10, I would imagine, on 98 pitches. Uh the ERA is 2.34 for Michael Waka. The underlying numbers are much nine
1: swinging worse. strikes for him.
0: Nine swinging strikes. Okay. Uh For Waka in this one, he's 74% rostered. Uh, and it looks like he's at Toronto next week. Not great there. John Gray puts together another solid start. This one up against the Phillies. He gives up two runs over five and two thirds. He had 15 swinging strikes. And over his last seven starts, he's got a 3.41 ERA. Ross Stripling posts a quality start at the White Sox. Six innings of one run ball, five strikeouts. His ERA in nine starts this season, 2.84. He's been very solid. That is Ross Stripling. Uh, Looks like he's got the Red Sox and Tampa next week. And then Tyler Wells, he's been all right for the Orioles. Five shutout innings, four walks, four strikeouts, 22% rostered. He's at the Mariners, at the Twins. Chris, what do you think about this group? Waka, John Gray, Ross Stripling,
1: Tyler Wells. Waka has been a a boon for my uh, team in the Scott White Dynasty League which is not a lot else going right for me, uh, unfortunately, in that league. But he's been really good. I don't expect that to continue. I am I mean, that's a 2014 league, so I'll probably just keep using him. But, yeah, I don't think Michael Locke at this point, given what he's doing, not getting a lot of strikeouts, uh, expected ERA is two full runs higher than his actual ERA. Um, I think you can probably expect Michael Wacca to be more like a 4-plus ERA guy moving forward. Useful in two-start weeks as a streamer um, in head-to-head points leagues, but I don't want to see what he's likely to do to my ratios moving forward, so I I would probably want to stay away. Stripling is somewhat interesting because he's been interesting in the past, but he hasn't really gotten any strikeouts since 2019. Uh, when he had a 25% strikeout rate since then, 18.2, 21.8, 20% strikeout rate this season, he has lowered his launch angle, uh, allowed quite a bit. Um, he hasn't really done it by like throwing a sinker. He's not doing like the Martin Perez thing, but his four seam fastball has gone from having a 24 degree average launch angle to a 14 degree average launch angle and his slider has similarly seen big improvements in that regard um but like martin perez i i just don't think it's a a profile that's particularly worth getting excited about he actually a lot in a lot of ways looks like martin perez strikeout rate walk rate uh all look pretty similar And I just I don't think that's a type of pitcher that that's going to be worth getting excited about in a, you know, points league when he's got two starts in a mixed league when he's got a good matchup. I think he can be continue to be useful, but I'm I'm not excited about Ross Stripling.
0: I don't think he's a world beater or anything, but I don't know. There's some things that I'm. I'm very encouraged by with Ross Stripling. The, the ground ball rate, you mentioned his launch angle, is way down this year. His swinging strike rate is 11.2%. That's his mm-hmm. highest since 2018. His control has been much better, and he's throwing his changeup a lot more this season, and it's been a very, very good pitch for him. 32% whiff rate is okay, but the results, 152 batting average against, uh, three, uh, 227 slugging percentage against, I don't know. There might be something here with Ross Stripling. He's 41% rostered. He's in line for two starts next week. The Red Sox, Tampa Bay. Uh, I would say of the five names we've mentioned so far, Keegan Thompson, Waka, uh, John Gray, Stripling, and, and Tyler Wells, John Gray and, and Stripping are like the clear top two for me that uh, if you're looking to add anyone for two starts next week, it's those two. So
1: Yeah, I, I would rank John Gray a decent bit ahead of stripling. Just there's more swing and miss potential there. um, And more strikeout potential as a result. But, you know, I, I, I'm not sure either is, is likely to be a stalwart for you moving forward. Stripling. It's interesting. He does have a 93% chase rate, which is, or he's in, sorry, he's in the 93rd percentile in chase rate. 93% chase rate would be, (laughs) <laughs> pretty bonkers, um, and so you know that does make me wonder <clears throat> how how sustainable even the the middling strikeout and and swinging strike rates that he has because it's not like he's throwing the ball the ball out of the zone a lot. You know, Martin Perez. One thing that I you know I did a, a deep dive on Martin Perez, um, and mostly came to the same conclusion that I've held throughout the season. Uh, But one thing that he is doing is he's doing a very good Dallas Keuchel impersonation. He's throwing like 35% of his pitches in the strike zone. Ross Stripling's not doing that. He's at 48%. And so I do wonder how much weak contact he can continue to garner while pitching that much in the zone when he doesn't have great stuff. You know, maybe this renewed focus on the changeup will help, but I'm pretty skeptical.
0: All right. Well, uh, last thing I wanted to mention about John Gray Everything mostly looks the same for him. He's just done a better job limiting home runs this season, mm-hmm. which could be an effect of a better home park, not pitching yeah. in Coors Field. And he's got a 3.44 ERA at home this season. So I think that kind of makes sense. And I think that adds up for John Gray. Let's move over to some waiver wire hitters. Alec Thomas, Chris, is just, kind of sneakily having a very good rookie season so far. He went two for five. He hit his sixth home run. He also has four steals. That is a 21 homer, 14 steal pace over 150 games. He's hitting 270, 95th percentile in sprint speed, makes a good amount of contact, does hit a lot of ground balls, Uh, but Alec Thomas is still out there, I would imagine, in some three outfielder leagues. He's 60% rostered, and he's moved up the lineup. He's batted second in four of the last five games for Arizona. And uh, I was going to lump him in here with Garrett Cooper, another outfielder who's playing very well. Two for four, hit his fifth home run. In the month of June, he's batting 394, two home runs, 13 RBI. Always hits a lot of line drives, hits the ball hard. The problem just doesn't put the ball in the air enough. What do you think about Alec Thomas, Garrett Cooper? Where should those two names be rostered?
1: I think the bigger problem for Alec, for Garrett Cooper is more that he just cannot stay healthy i mean yeah he he doesn't hit for as much power as you would probably want you know uh he's played 163 games between 2020 2021 and 2022 which already tells you how much time he misses um but he's mostly managed to stay healthy this season and during those 163 games he has 19 home runs 294 average 842 ops he is someone who makes good contact when he does, he doesn't strike out an overwhelming amount. I think Eric Cooper is a a pretty solid option as long as he's healthy. I I don't know, you know, that's kind of like, is he going to stay healthy moving forward? Well, the fact that he's only 37% rostered, it probably makes that a little moot. Um, and he is eligible at what first and first and outfield. Yep. So that, that little bit of flexibility there helps. Um, Given how few outfielders are impact players right now, I I think Garrett Cooper is worth rostering in, I would say anything 12 team or deeper uh, Roto. You know, points leagues, it might be harder to get him in there, although that's a good format for him when he's playing. And Alec Thomas, 60% roster rate is too low. You know, this is, I, I, the, the comment that I just thought of is he's what we wanted Trent Grisham to be. You know, slightly different profile. Grisham strikes out more, hits more fly balls. Alec Alec Thomas, pretty contact oriented, hits the ball on the ground a lot. Um, But the the overall production, I think, is going to be pretty similar. And I think there's, you know, the quality of contact metrics for Alec Thomas are pretty middling right now. But obviously, he's very talented. He's put up good numbers in the minors to the point where I do think there's room for him to grow as a hitter. So I, I, I think he's very good. Um, I don't know if he's a starter in points leagues, but I think he's close. I think he's pretty fringy, especially if he's going to hit near the top of the lineup. So yeah, Alec Thomas. I uh, add him where he's available.
0: How would you rank these four <clears throat> young, exciting outfielders, Chris? Uh, Riley Green, Michael Harris, Alec Thomas, and Alex Kirilov.
1: I have them ranked Thomas, Harris, Green, Kirilov, I think. It, it could be Kirilov, Green, but I think they're third and fourth.
0: Okay. Yeah, so I did update my outfield ranks, and I've got it Harris, Riley Green, Alec Thomas, and Kirilov. But, man, I mean, Harris, Green, and, and Thomas, they're all within six spots of each other, so it mm-hmm. is very close. It's kind of fluid right now. I just... I really, really love what I've seen from Michael Harris so far, and yeah, uh, yeah, I know he, I know he bats ninth, but I mean the the lineup advantage
1: just playing for the Braves. There's there's going to be a lot of opportunities, and there. lineup spot is always going to be fluid. I mean, with with that team, might be harder to move up. You know that that yeah. top two, you know Acuna and and Swanson, that's probably pretty cemented. But you know Matt Olson was hitting sixth. A couple of days ago, so it's it's not out of the question that Michael Harris could could start to move up. I do want to see what it looks like because you know Alec Thomas has just been around for a little longer in the majors, and so there have been more opportunities for pitchers to adjust for him. Michael Harris has been very aggressive uh, so far, putting a lot of balls in play, not walking very much. You know, I want to see what happens when pitchers figure that out. All right, let's. Take a look at two Cleveland Guardians
0: players here. This is kind of beat the waiver wire hitter edition because they have eight games next week. So I think these are players that we're going to be targeting. Uh, Ahmed Rosario is heating up. He went four for five, hit his second home run. In the month of June, he's hitting 354, two homers, five doubles, four steals. He really, you know, he's not heating up. He's, he's pretty much on fire right now. That is Ahmed Rosario, 48% rostered. The other name, Oscar Gonzalez, two for five, hit his second home run. Makes a lot of contact. The problem, a lot of it on uh, a lot of it on the ground. He's kind of a freak athlete. Ninety-first percentile max mm-hmm. exit velocity. Ninety-second percentile sprint speed. I don't know if it needs to be in anything uh, shallower than five outfielder leagues, Chris. But Oscar Gonzalez is very, very interesting, and Amed Amer- Rosario is hot.
1: Yeah, Rosario. It just. I wish that they let him run more or that he was willing to run more. He's only attempted 22 stolen bases over the past three seasons. And he got caught stealing a lot early on in his career with the Mets. He had 10 plus caught stealings in both 2018 and 2019 as a full-time player. He's been caught stealing twice over the past two seasons. That is a, uh, a balance that I wish they would shift more to the aggressive side. And, you know, the four steals in June, maybe that's a, a sign of that. Um, because I, I don't think he's going to hit enough to be much more than a fringe option unless he starts running more. Like, if, if Ahmed Rosario was a 20 steel guy who I can see hitting 275 with, yeah, not much power, <laughs> um, then he starts to get a little more interesting. But right now, I, I think he's pretty fringy. Um, you know, corner or, or middle infielder only, really. But, um, I think Frank's frozen again. Frank's frozen again. Uh, Gonzalez, though, I think is very interesting. He was someone who came up, um, and I think in his first game had like a, a 114 mile per hour batted ball. He has Max Echeverio 113, and he's hit really well at AAA. You know, uh, an 810 OPS is not world beating stuff, but 113 games at the AAA level, he's hit 27 home runs and um, didn't steal any bases actually, which is interesting given the athleticism that he's shown. Cause like you said, 91st percentile max exit velocity, 92nd percentile average or, uh, sprint speed, 91.6 mile per hour average exit velocity, hard hit rate is 48% and he doesn't strike out. 19.6% strikeout rate for Oscar Gonzalez. So he's showing some really interesting skills. Um, another guy who hits the ball on the ground too much. You know that there's that's a recurring theme with these guys who have intriguing skills but aren't putting it in play as often as you would like to see. Oscar Gonzalez is another one of those guys, but I do think there is um, there's quite a lot of potential there for him to for Oscar Gonzalez to emerge as a viable five outfielder league guy. I don't think points leagues yet, although the the strikeout rate does make you think there's some potential there. Um, but yeah. For five out three leagues, 12 team or deeper. You know, I think he's fringy in 12 teams, but he's interesting outside of that context. So there you go. Uh, Frank is continuing to have some technical difficulties. So we'll, uh, we'll just move on down the run down here. And uh, Kyle Rally is uh, another waiver, uh, waiver wire hitter down here. Him and Jorge Alfaro. Are uh, being compared here. Jorge Alfaro went two for five with his sixth home run. He's hitting 340 with four home runs at 1069 OPS in the month of June, and he started seven of the last 11 games for the Padres. Kyle Raleigh. Cal Rally, Cal Rally, excuse me, I don't know why I say it like Kyle, but Cal Rally, one for four with his ninth home run. Cal Raleigh has been quite good since getting uh, a chance to play more regularly. 189 batting average, that's not great, but nine home runs and 139 plate appearances. The quality of contact metrics largely back it up, 48% hard hit rate, 98, 91 mile per hour average exit velocity, that's both very good. The problem is that 189 batting average, even the expected stats, which are better, only suggest a 233 batting average. He strikes out 30% of the time. I, I think it's probably like a Mike Zunino profile moving forward, and that's useful in fantasy. I think Kyle Raleigh probably does need to be a top 20 catcher, but I don't think he's someone in one-catcher leagues, uh, especially since most of those are point leagues uh, that you need to be particularly impressed with. So Afaro, it's tough because he's someone who we talked about a little bit last week. He's always had the potential, you know. You could argue that Jorge Alfaro is the most physically gifted catcher in baseball, just in terms of his ability to, just what he's physically capable of, in terms of how hard he hits the ball. Ninety eighth percentile max exit velo. Every single season of his career, except for twenty twenty, he's been in the top five percent uh, of the league in max exit velo. So he is capable of hitting the ball incredibly hard. The problem is he always strikes out 30% of the time. He's at 32.3% of the time. And the problem in the past is that he hits the ball on the ground too much. You've heard that before. Uh, 48% ground ball rate at least every season of his career entering 2021. But maybe the Padres have figured something out because his ground ball rate is down all the way to 41.5%. fly ball rate, 30.5% line drive rate. I think the line drive rate is probably a little inflated, but with how hard Jorge Alfaro hits the ball, it's not out of the question that he can be relevant in. I think it's probably out of the question for 12 team leagues, unless he's just starts playing every day and cuts the strikeout rate. But Twelve team or uh, twelve team two catcher leagues. I think Jorge Alfaro absolutely deserves to be in the mix. You know, you should be in those two catcher leagues and really in your one catcher leagues, unless you have one of the handful of elite guys. You should be churning the position. You know, I think in two catcher leagues there are probably. <clears throat> I don't know, Frank, maybe maybe you disagree, maybe you agree, but I think there's probably like 16 to 18 catchers who I feel pretty good about if you go through my rankings. You know, I guess there's some guys on on IL like Yasmany Grandal and, and uh, who else is on IL right now? Tyler um, Stevenson. Tyler Stevenson, Mitch Garver just got back. But yeah, I think if you go, you could go like 16 to 18 deep at the position where I feel... Pretty good about having those guys on my team and my rankings. That goes through to Gabriel Moreno. After that, if you don't have two of those guys, you should be churning the catcher position. You know, you should be trying to find. you know, going through Jonah Heim and, you know, Elias Diaz and, and these guys that we've Joey Bart early on in the season and Jose Trevino and trying to find someone who can stick. And I think Jorge Alfaro absolutely belongs in that discussion right now and the the skills that he's showing right now, I think make him a top 20 ish catcher. I'm, I'm moving him up to 20 right now.
0: I agree. Uh, I think Jorge Alfaro has been uh, very impressive, especially in the month of June. He's changed the launch angle this year. And uh, Cal Raleigh, another one there, hit his ninth home run, and he's been much better in June. Even Jose Trevino, I think he's kind of in this conversation back end of the top twenty-five catchers. He hit another home run for the Yankees here on Wednesday. So yeah, lots going on with the with the catcher two spot if you do play in a roto league in deeper leagues. A few names I just wanted to mention here. Apologies by the way, I know my internet's acting all crazy right now. Someone's getting a nasty email and/or phone call tomorrow. I will tell you that in deeper leagues,
1: leaks. Are you actually the guy who will do that? No, I'm not going to do that, but like, Uh, I, 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 I can't can't bring myself to be mean to the customer service rep. I know it's not their fault and I can't, I can't just do the thing where I'm using them as a stand in for this large faceless corporation. That's screwing me over. I can't do it. I, I, I I can't bring myself to get mad at them.
0: I'm all talk. I'm all talk. Uh, I will do a vigorous Twitter search after this to see if maybe there's something going on in my area, but uh, outside of that, Nothing else. Uh, in deeper leagues, just wanted to mention Vidal Brujan. I- I'm kind of interested just because there's so much playing time available now with Tampa Bay. He has his second home run of the season here. Just someone to watch, especially in those deeper leagues. And in the deepest, I mean, and only, whatever. Al- Albert Almora has three homers over his last five games. He's 2% rostered. Uh, and his quality of contact is still quite bad. So I don't really think there's anything there. But <laughs> two names to look at.
1: Yeah, my- uh, there. My problem with Brujan is, I, I think it was like the first, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 games of last year's minor league season. Uh, yeah, the first 16 games of last year's minor league season, he hit seven home runs, which was like, oh, man, is Vidal Bruhan starting to figure this out? Like, he's always been someone who'd never hit for power, but scouts have always thought he could grow into it. That was the first 16 games of that season, so if you take – Rest of the AAA season last year, his major leagues, the last two seasons as well. He's hit six home runs in his last, like, 140 games. So that, that's the concern is I just don't think there's any pop there. Fair enough. All right. Well, did you take a break while I was gone, Chris? Uh, I mean, no, not an official one. Okay, so let's take a break. I, 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 well, I think we're taking a break right now. With Frank's uh, internet Uh. continuing to struggle. I I did take a break just to catch my breath. So maybe we'll just do that again. Here's a break.
0: Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows.
1: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law news and notes fernando tatis told reporters that he's been swinging a bat at about 40 percent intensity in recent days that's the first we've heard of fernando tatis really taking part in any kind of swinging activities but he remains without a precise timeline to swing fully remember last week he had a follow-up ct scan that did not show the kind of healing that they hoped for so Still without a timeline for Fernando Tatis, Max Scherzer struck out six over three and a third innings of two-run ball in his rehab start. And it sounds like he's going to potentially start Sunday against the Marlins if he's cleared. Luis Robert was removed from Wednesday's game due to leg soreness, though he's expected to be in the lineup on Thursday. George Springer underwent imaging on his left elbow is considered day-to-day for now, but we'll see what the results of that testing show. Salvador Perez aggravated his sprained left thumb, awaiting MRI results. Uh, We'll see what that looks like, but not great. If you're in one of those leagues that allows you to make lineup changes for your hitters on Fridays, I think NFC leagues all allow that. You might want to consider getting Salvador Perez out there. Maybe add Jorge Alfaro if uh, he's available. And Carlos Carrasco. Left Wednesday's game against Houston uh, with lower back tightness. He's scheduled to undergo an MRI, but he did not look good in this one. He was beat up. Gave up five earned runs on four hits and two two and a third. Walked two, had no strikeouts. Velocity was down about one mile per hour. Uh, Quote, every pitch they hit out there was just right there in the middle. I just couldn't finish my pitches. Last eight starts, 560 ERA, underlying numbers. Still quite good. Babbitt's high. It's... (sighs) I don't know. It's hard to say exactly what is causing Carlos Carrasco's struggles, at least prior to this start. You know, this one, you have a pretty good excuse with the back issue. But yeah, I've had Carlos Carrasco as a top 30 starting pitcher for most of the season and not feeling great about that one right now with the way he's pitching. So definitely someone I'm going to have to reconsider his ranking. Moving forward, Edward Cabrera missed his rehab, his scheduled rehab start Wednesday due to a personal man, matter. Max Meyer did start at AAA for the Marlins and looked quite good. So that's a good sign. Eddie Rosario will have his vision reevaluated Thursday and is optimistic that he's close to beginning a rehab assignment. He's 50% rostered. I had kind of, um, I had kind of assumed Eddie Rosario was pretty much done for the season. So I'd moved him way down. I'm going to have to move him back up, but you know, given the the nature of this injury, this issue, it's not clear whether Eddie Rosario is going to, you know, be able to get back and and hit like himself. But he clearly wasn't himself before, um, so that's something to keep in mind. If you have an IL spot open, Eddie Rosario is a decent stash. Although he's kind of a <clears throat> he's kind of a fringy outfielder, even when things are going well. You know, last season, obviously, he finished the season strong, but was was pretty mediocre for most of the season. So. um, you know, not not necessarily a mustache in my eyes. Jaron Duran won't play in the series in Toronto starting on Monday because he's not vaccinated, presumably. So that's not a good sign. Um, he has been, you know, showing some real signs both in AAA and his time in the majors. So not exactly thrilled to see him missing time uh, for that. Glenn Otto rejoined the Rangers and will likely be activated from the COVID IL Sunday against the Nationals. Not really someone I'm looking to stream. Reed Demers was optioned to AAA. Remember, he had that no hit early in the season, but just hasn't been able to figure out the fastball. That's been the big issue for him. The curveball's been a, a fine pitch for him. He can get swings and misses with it, but the fastball just continues to get hit hard, continues to not locate it well. And a couple prospects moved up in the lineup. O'Neal Cruz led off for the Pirates, Riley Green batting second for the Tigers. We'll see how long uh, or whether those uh, stick. Doing a one-minute podcast, you got to talk a lot. And I'm, you know, struggling a little bit. Let's talk about some rankings, risers, and followers before we move on to some of the uh, rest of the performances from Wednesday. Uh, my rankings, risers, Jake Cronenworth has just been incredible in June. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle, we talked about him last week. I, I wrote a column about him on cbsports.com that you can check out, where I basically just wrote that was on Monday, uh, the trade values chart. And I just wrote about how Ryan Mountcastle, you know, clearly we were wrong about thinking that he was going to be a bust this season. He's been actually quite good. But he's also someone who, if you look at the underlying numbers, they suggest that he's been much better than he actually has been. He's been good, especially in June. But the the underlying numbers suggest he's been one of the best hitters in baseball. I mentioned uh, Nick Castellanos' comp earlier. The problem is that park in Baltimore is going to hold him back. And I think it's going to make it hard for Ryan Mountcastle to live up to those expected stats. So he's one that I, I moved up. He's in my top 36 in outfield, but probably not going to move up too much more than that unless he just really gets hot uh, or stays hot. Marcus Simeon moved up. Javier Baez moved up. Both of those guys starting to figure it out. Baez had another couple of hits today. Uh, I think he had a home run as well. So that's a good sign. Bobby Witt Jr., we've talked about. I've seen some people saying that you know he should be moved ahead of Nolan Arenado. Frank might have said it on uh, Twitter on Wednesday, or at least suggested the the possibility. I'm not ready to do that. Nolan Arenado has been pretty. I don't want to say fringy because I think that would be the fourth time I've said it in today's podcast, but he's been. Like, if you go back to the first week of the season, he had four home runs in the first six games. Arenado has been, like, a 25-homer, 80-run or 70-run, 85-RBI guy who's hitting two-fifty. I think he's probably a little better than that. Um, And Bobby Witt has been very good lately, you know, really since he got off to a slow start. He's hitting for power. He's running, uh, hitting for a little bit of batting average as well. But... I would still take Arenado over Witt, but I think it's a uh, you know a, an interesting discussion, Frank. I, were you uh, were you thinking about moving Bobby Witt above Nolan Arenado? Did I see that on Twitter? Am I here?
0: Am I working? Is this thing on?
1: You're here. I oh. see you. I hear you.
0: All right, well, let's enjoy it while we still can. Thank you again, everybody who's sticking around. And if you're still watching, you're still listening. God bless. We appreciate it. Uh, Yes, it is something that I was thinking about. I like to look at the last 21 days when updating my rankings. And lo and behold, Bobby Witt Jr. has been better than Nolan Arenado over that stretch. I I didn't actually make the move, but it was something that I considered. And I put out a poll on Twitter. Who would you rather have rest of season? 54% say Bobby Witt Jr. Over Nolan Arenado.
1: I yeah, look, I can't necessarily make a strong case against it, except that I just think Arenado's a safer bet. But yeah, you know, uh, yeah it could be a safety I,
0: versus upside type thing. Uh, what have you gotten to while I was gone, Chris? Was it uh, through almost
1: through my rankings, risers? Yes.
0: Okay. Uh, so you mentioned Cronenworth. I assume Castle
1: got all the way through to wit. John Birdie, I mentioned I've moved him. I've very aggressively moved him up more so than you or Scott in Roto Leagues. So, um, you know, that that could blow up in my face, but the the pace that w- at which he's running, the fact that he's always actually been a better hitter than he gets credit for, um, I do think there might be some staying power there.
0: All right, and you also have uh, Max Scherzer who is hope- hoping to return from the IL this weekend. Some risers for me, Travis Darno. I moved him up to my seventh catcher. He's just been rock solid. He's been a little bit inconsistent, but he's just been better uh, than other catchers in that mm-hmm. range, like MJ Melendez and Adley Rutschman. So I, I just went ahead and moved Travis Darno there. Uh, Jake Cronenworth, I'm sure you touched on him. He's having a massive June uh, and he's getting back on track, doing the things that we like to see him doing, making contact, hitting for a little bit of power. Uh, so that is Jake Cronenworth. These next two, Chris, I mean, I'm kind of just waiting for them to fall off, but Luisa Arise just, he's hitting 360 and he ranks very highly in both points and roto. And I don't think he has much pop, but he's giving you run scored. He's giving you batting average. And the other one is Jerkson Profar, who you know, Scott talked about recently. He went four for four on Wednesday, two run scored, two RBI. He's been leading off for of the Padres, making a ton of contact. He's walking a lot and he ranks highly in, in both roto and head to head points this year. So it's, It's kind of just these guys are performing and, and, you know, other players at their position are not as well. So,
1: yeah, Profar, I've I've struggled with Profar all season because there was that stretch where he was hitting for power early on. But it was like the most wall scraper power of all time. He was hitting like it it was very like DJ LeMay. You ask he was going the opposite way and, and, and hitting these like two rows up type of home runs I, ironically if you look at his expected uh, home runs by park he would have 10 at yankee stadium so there's that and cincinnati he would have 13 so it's not just yankee stadium uh i just i don't know like he he makes contact he walks a little bit i i just don't know if he does if he hits the ball well enough to sustain this level of production but you know he is eligible at like four different positions so there, there's value inherent in that um, that you know, I'm probably overlooking a little bit, but you know, yeah. And Luis Arias has a similar thing going on. He's he's eligible in a lot of places.
0: Uh, Javier Baez we've talked a lot about recently went two for three, hit his sixth home run his last 15 games. He's batting 291 three homers, three steals and oddly enough, his strikeout rate this season is just 24%. So as we've mentioned I don't know that you'll still be able to Buy Javier Baez. I mean, you could buy him, but I don't know if it's going to be as low as it yeah. was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but he kind of looks like he's coming around and, and he's back. Uh, Charlie Blackman, another one. I mean, his power has just bounced back this year. He's been very solid. He still makes a lot of contact, uh, taking advantage of course, field. And, you know, he plays at a position that hasn't been great in the outfield. Some followers. I just want to quickly run through these uh, Whitmerry Field, Jack Flaherty, and Lucas Gilito for Chris. Uh, I guess the one we haven't talked much about recently. Is Whit Merrifield. It kind of just might be the start of the end for Whit Merrifield because he's getting older and, you know, he just relies a lot on volume.
1: Yeah, that was like, I I was pretty high on him coming into the season just because I thought at the very least the batting average and the steals would be pretty safe. And the batting average has been. Bad but the expected stats suggest he's been better than that. He still doesn't strike out at all. He's actually you know, his quality of contact is arguably even a little better than it was last season, but it's just the the lack of steals. You know, he's got nine on the season, which is fine. You know, that puts him on a decent pace, you know, low 20s, but he hasn't run more lately. You know, it's not like he's starting to, to run like two steals in his last six games. That's great he hadn't had a steal in over a month before that. So it's really the stolen bases that are, that are causing me to, to downgrade Whit Merrifield. And look, speed tends to be streaky. You know, guys can, can go for, you know, these four steal weeks, and all of a sudden the pace looks a lot different. So it's, uh, it's possible that, you know, I finally moved Whit Merrifield down, and it turns out that was premature. Um, I hope so.
0: All right, followers for me, Rowdy Telez hit his 11th home run of the season on Wednesday. That was his first homer since May 29th. He almost went a full month without a home run. Remember that all awesome he had earlier in the season, uh, he has fallen back quite a bit. That is Rowdy Telez. Chris Taylor, I don't really know why I moved him down. I, I, I think I just saw that he did not rank very highly at any of the positions that he plays. He's but-
1: someone every time I do the trade values chart, it's kind of like... Uh, you know, John Bernie or Jerickson Profar, or Luis Arias—these guys who are eligible at so many positions that it's just like it's hard to find the right spots for them because anyone who's eligible, you know, he's what second, third, and short and outfield. I um, think he's just second and outfield. He might have shortstop. Though. I think he's shortstop. I could be wrong, but you know that that has value in a way that's hard to um, hard to put into. I don't know what the concrete terms, I guess. Uh, And so they're really hard to rank just because you kind of bump them up a little bit just based on that.
0: All right. Am I back? Because I saw you, uh, I saw a spinning wheel on my computer once again. So I want to make sure that I'm actually here. Uh, Yeah. Chris Taylor is solid. I, I, in deeper leagues, he's someone I actually think I would look to be buying right now. Uh, Cody Bellinger. Look, man, (laughs) this is going on what three years in a row now where he just is not performing and, at some point, I think we just got to start to move him down the rankings. Max Kepler, the expected numbers are awesome, the Statcast numbers are great, uh, but he hasn't actually been performing, so I have dropped him down a little bit as well. Ah, uh, it's very late in the podcast. It's been a real screwy one here.
1: How yeah, much Cr- more Christian we- Yelich? Kind of like with Cody Bellinger, I've I've started to move him down Ballinger a little more aggressively, but. At least Yelich has the really good, or at least good quality of contact metrics and and expected stats. Like he has a 429 expected WOBA on contact, 350 expected WOBA. Those are good. Bellinger doesn't even have that. So I I do at least still have, you know, Bellinger versus Yelich was a big uh, point of contention in the preseason. I mean, Yelich has been better, so I guess I'll take the win there, but neither has been particularly good.
0: All right, let's go rapid fire, Chris. See how much of this we can get to uh, over the next five minutes or so. We had a pitcher's duel out in Atlanta. Carlos Rodon was awesome. Seven innings, one run, 10 strikeouts. And on the other side, Charlie Morton, seven innings, two runs, 11 strikeouts. No, I did not watch a single pitch. And over his last nine starts, he's got a 3.94 ERA. That's not great. The peripheral numbers look much better. 68 strikeouts over 50 and two thirds innings a 13.5% swinging strike rate. Charlie Morton kind of just looks like he's back. What do you think?
1: Uh, Yeah, you're bearing the lead. The actual reason that Charlie Morton's been good, and this is a scientific fact, the causation is clear, is I tweeted on June 8th that I finally dropped Charlie Morton outside of my top 40 starting pitcher rankings. Quote, in case you're wondering why he's about to have an awesome stretch in his next few starts. In those last three starts, he's got... What twenty eight strikeouts in uh, twenty one innings, something like that? Yeah, he's been he's been incredible. Thirty two strikeouts in twenty innings for Charlie Morton since I moved him outside of my top forty starting pitchers. You're welcome. For those of you not watching, that was an exaggerated uh, bow that I just made. All That's right. why you heard some squeaking. My chair is very loud.
0: Let's uh, let's keep it moving here. You I don't know you you keep spinning on me, so I think it's just my connection. But whatever, let's let's see how much more we can get to uh, pitching leftovers from Wednesday. Pablo Lopez posted his first quality start since May thirtieth. Seven innings, one run, six strikeouts. George Kirby at the Oakland A's six shutout innings with six strikeouts. And I know I waited so long to mention Otani, but I was waiting for that game to go live. I actually wrote in the notes he went seven innings. No, he didn't. He went one more after that. So eight shutout, two hits, one walk, 13 strikeouts, one night after posting a career-high eight RBI and hitting two home runs. I I don't know. like You run out of things to say about Shohei Otani. He's amazing.
1: Yeah, I wonder that's, what, 21 combined runs and, and strikeouts in a two-game span. I wonder if that's a, a major league record. And there, there's probably a way to check that. All right, I'll take over for the the last couple of minutes. We'll go through the rest of these pitching leftovers. Pablo Lopez posted his first quality start since May 30th. That was also against the Colorado Rockies, so that's, you know, Colorado Rockies, pretty good matchup. Seven innings, one unearned run, three walks, six strikeouts, only ten swinging strikes. Fastball velocity has been down. Of late, 92.8 miles per hour on the fastball. That's down from 94. And remember, Pablo Lopez was someone we talked about before the season and early on in the season, has had a string of of shoulder issues in, I think, two of the last three seasons that have effectively ended his two of his last three seasons. So that's something to be concerned about. His ERA is down to 2.64. Peripherals mostly match it. Strikeout per inning, career-high swinging strike rate. Frank Scott, what do you do with Pablo in dynasty? Try and cash out now, knowing his history with shoulder problems. Yeah, I think anytime you have a situation, unless you're competing right now, where you have a player like Pablo Lopez with injury concerns, it's not so much that he can't stay healthy moving forward, but when you're talking about the long term, you should bet against most pitchers staying healthy, and especially ones with injury histories like Pablo. Had a couple of double home run guys. Jordan Alvarez, double dong. He's put that injury scare behind him. Now up to 21 home runs, tied for second in the majors with a 315 batting average. Jordan Alvarez is just an absolute stud. Uh, Frank moved him ahead of Juan Soto. I'm not willing to do that yet. Uh, I still believe Juan Soto is, you know, uh, the second best hitter in baseball, probably behind Mike Trout. So I'm going to give him a little more leash, but... Yordan Alvarez, I think clearly a top 20 player right now, and it's, you know, we'll see if he's going to be a first round player by next season. Uh, Aaron Judge also home run hit two home runs, increased his lead to 27. Carlos Correa, double dong, now up to seven home runs. Some other hitting leftovers, Bo Bichette, two for five with a grand slam. Alejandro Kirk two for five with his eighth home run. Teoscar Hernandez two for four with his seventh home run. You missed your Teoscar Hernandez by low opportunity. He's been great lately. Kyle Schwarber he upped his OPS in the month of June to ten seventy four with his eighth home run of the month. He's up to nineteen overall. Christian Ye- Christian Walker, excuse me, hit his nineteenth home run. He's two, he went two for four today. One eighty seven. Babbitt lowest among qualified hitters. Freddie Freeman again. You might have a small buy low window here. He hit his seventh home run. Jazz Chisholm, two for three with a fourteen with his 14th home run. And this one was off of a lefty, his first of the season. He's really struggled against them. Has sat occasionally, but it hasn't really been often enough to affect his value. Um, Paul Goldschmidt, back from that minor back scare, hit his 17th home run. Nolan Arenado, two for four with his 14th home run. Let's so go to the call to the bullpen to finish off the show. Joe Barlow pitched a clean ninth, picked up his 13th save for Texas. Jake McGee came in for the save with a two, two run lead proceeded to give up three, hard, three earned runs, take the bone save and the loss. Camilla Duvall had pitched on back to back days, so potentially wasn't available. In Minneapolis, Emilio Pagan struck out the side in the eighth with a three-run lead, started the ninth, gave up three consecutive hits. Griffin Jacks came in to relieve him. He gave up a hit, and Cleveland took the lead. So, blown save for both of those guys. Emmanuel Classé, clean ninth for his 17th save. He's throwing, I think, a 96-mile-per-hour a, a slider, uh, I think is what I saw. He got, got a couple swings and misses on today. He's just ridiculous. And St. Louis – Genesis Cabrera pitched the final two innings for his first save. Giovanni Gallegos and Ryan Helsey each pitched two innings the night before, so they probably weren't available in this one. To stream or not to stream, Kyle Freeland at Miami, Braxton Garrett versus Colorado, Justin Steele at Pittsburgh, Jose Quintana versus the Cubs, so we're just going against all those matchups. Dakota Hudson at Milwaukee, Johnny Cueto versus Baltimore. I don't love any of these. Um... I could see Freeland having a a decent start, but not someone I'm excited about. I think Dakota Hudson at Milwaukee is probably the best option, but I don't love the matchup or the pitcher, so would probably try to avoid. Friday, Taiwan Walker at Miami, Mitch Keller at Tampa Bay, Dane Dunning versus Washington, Dylan Bundy versus Colorado uh, at Colorado. No, versus Colorado at home. So he's got Colorado, that bad Colorado matchup is only at on at core so he's in uh minnesota's for that one uh cole irvin at kansas city brad keller versus oakland michael lorenzen versus seattle and i kind of like a bunch of these guys i could see Tywan walker continuing to roll against miami i could see mitch keller having a decent start i'm not buying mitch keller not necessarily this new synchronized version of him but he could be fine um Brad Keller versus Oakland, I could see that one being very good. Um, So, yeah, I think there are some options for Friday's uh, matchups for streamers. And that's going to do it for Fantasy Baseball Today. We apologize for the technical difficulties. Hopefully, Frank's internet will be working better on Thursday. And I won't have to talk so much. So, for Frank, I'm Chris. Thanks for listening to Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll see you.